0: Thank you for traveling
1: with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the
2: powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com with Amex. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast Conversations with Unc on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more a serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday listen to Conversation with Unc hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Thanks
1: for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the H.E.R.D. at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party
0: started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
1: All right, it is a Friday. It is the summer. We have a football game to talk about live in Los Angeles. It's the H.E.R.D wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching a lot of choices out there thanks for making us part of your day j mac sat down last night had a run around in the afternoon you know get a big workout in do some things got home missed about four or five minutes to start and then i sat back poured a cocktail and for two hours I felt like it was football season and it was, you know, I didn't know most of the players. It was third and fourth and fifth string running backs for the Jets. Uh, but that was fun. It was something.
4: It felt nice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch a ton of it myself. I don't need to watch the vanilla Jets defense. They got gashed, according to you, on social media. Uh, yeah, I, listen. Hey, uh, big, big Taylor Swift weekend. Football's back, which is nice. But, uh, you yeah, know, that was not football. So. Okay,
1: so I don't really care who won. Uh, you know, it's preseason. But the good news, Zach Wilson played well, snapped a couple of throws off. Nice downfield throw. The bad news, Makai Becton played seven snaps, pulled himself out. Now he's got confidence issues. Weight, health, confidence, should have played 27 snaps. So there's three levels of first-round quarterbacks. You identify immediately, number one, they're a star. Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, everybody in the building, Lamar Jackson knows, yeah, that's going to work. The second level is they got some talent. There's a reason they were taken in the first. They may be a franchise guy. Not for us. It took us a couple years to figure it out, but they're not our guy. We'll try to move them and salvage the pick. And the third is whiff. Everybody in the building mostly by the end of the first year knows we whiffed. So the good news about the number two is Trey Lance, Zach Wilson fall into this, is they can play. A Trey Lance, a big, strong, smart athlete, can move around, and Zach Wilson's got a beautiful arm. He snaps, passes off, he makes 40-yard throws, looks like they're drag routes. He can really throw it. And so what you do with a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson, Jets did it last night, you set him up to succeed, you're patient, you have a couple of nice plays, you let him show off in the preseason. There's two things to remember. There is always, you're looking to salvage the pick now with Zach Wilson. You're looking to salvage the pick. Trey Lance, they're looking to salvage the pick. What you do is show them off now. I thought Zach Wilson did himself well. Everybody in the league knows he's playing with backups all around him. Looked at ease, easy throws, comfortable, smiling. That's what you want it to look like. Next week or your first game, instead of giving him five attempts, you give him 12, then 15, then 18. Show him off. Remember, the trading deadline this year in the NFL is going to be bananas. It's going to be crazy because four or five teams are going to be tanking. Right? Because they want to get Caleb Williams and Drake May. So it may be the most active trade deadline ever. Teams are going to be making all sorts of moves. And can you find a team out there that starts three and three? They lose their quarterback. They don't necessarily think Zach is a 10 year guy, but he's got the best arm on the market. He's played in New York. He was good in college. You can talk yourself into Zach Wilson in a fifth round pick. If you've got a coach on the hot seat, a GM in the hot seat, you start four and three or three and four, and somebody goes down. He's got a nice arm, plays with confidence, uh, looked a little tighter than last year where he could get loose. Uh Geno Smith and Ryan Tannehill had great second acts. Everybody bailed on Geno Smith. The world bailed on Ryan Tannehill. And I got news for you. Zach Wilson throws a better ball than Ryan Tannehill and Geno Smith. He's got a great arm. He is, he is what they call an easy thrower. So you try to salvage the pick. You set him up for success. Robert Sala talked about his night.
2: Zach did a good job. He was poised. Uh, looked comfortable in the pocket, delivered the ball on schedule. And... Uh... Uh, definitely something to build on.
1: For him, just rebuilding that confidence and the swag that we uh, that we fell in love with in the draft process and all that stuff, and I think he's getting it. Like, um, I said it before, he's a rookie all over again. All the footwork's different. The verbiage is different. Uh, uh, the way Aaron plays quarterback and the way Hackett teaches quarterback is a little bit different, so just, there's a lot of learning, and I think he's been attacking the heck out of it and doing a really nice job. Yeah, no pressure on him. It's Aaron's job. He can come in, work hard, play with the second-team guys, Dominate the preseason, show him off. He's gonna have at the trade deadline. Somebody's gonna lose a quarterback. And if Zach has a great preseason, Salah's like, man, he's a different guy. That's what they're saying in San Francisco. Boy, what a practice by Trey Lance. And you got all sorts of tape on him from college, his rookie year. Remember, he's a highlight guy. There's a lot of highlights with Zach Wilson that are wow. Have a preseason, he'll be the best arm on the market. Doesn't mean he'll be the best quarterback. Week seven, week eight trade deadline, had a great preseason. Aaron Rodgers is like, wow, somebody's going to get lucky with that guy. That guy's really impressive. Watch the praise, play him, show him off. Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, they could be a franchise guy. Geno and Tannehill had a second act. They're just not going to be the Jets or the Niners franchise guy. Now it's salvage. Now it's praise. Now it's set him up for success. Mikhail Becton, Mikhail Becton, that's a different issue. That's a problem. Supposed to play 25 snaps, played seven. The problem with Mekhi Becton, the bad news is his lack of ability is directly tied to Aaron Rodgers because they get an old left tackle and not a great right tackle, and they're trying to salvage this. The difference is they don't want to move him. They want him to work. They need this thing to work. And when you're pulling yourself out, you got confidence issues with your knee, there's health issues, there's weight issues. This is different than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson could have a very good second act. The Jets need this to work now. They need a left tackle or a right tackle or a movable tackle. Tackles get up to 38, 39 years old like Dwayne Brown. You're not getting 17 starts. So this is a real concern for them. I think if you look at their roster, it's the only thing I worry about. The quarterback's good. I think they could use one more trustable receiver. They're okay at tight end. They're okay. But my issue is they're not very good at tackle. They're old at one and bad at the other. Here's Beckton after pulling himself pulling himself out, that turf isn't
2: isn't 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 friendly for people of my size and my type of injury. So, yeah, I was feeling it in warm up. So I just I just pulled myself a little early. I'm I'm good though. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. I've been hearing that for years. I'm good. I don't think so. I think it's bad. All right. So it's almost close to official. The Big Ten, according to Brett McMurphy, reporter is just trying to figure out the financials on Oregon, Washington. They're very close. There's no more information needed. There is no more research needed. Uh, Pete Tamil just tweeted, New York Times, Oregon and Washington are fully engaged with the Big Ten Conference. So it's going to happen real quick. It's just financials now. Do you give Washington and Oregon a full share or not? They're going to be members of the Big Ten, and just think of this top eight. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Washington, Wisconsin, UCLA, and Oregon. That's a really good top eight. That's big brands, some big cities, big stadiums, big money, big fan bases, and the key is three time zones. Start at noon on Fox, end at 1 a.m. on the East Coast, Three time zones represented. As great as the SEC is, it'll cannibalize itself a lot of times with all these great games in two windows. You can have five, four, five different games, big brands, every window the Big Ten. Washington, Oregon can play some night games. So can UCLA. You put USC up there against the Buckeyes, Badgers, Nittany Lions, Wolverines in the day and get a number The SEC is just a great regional conference. The Big 12 and the ACC are tiny, irrelevant markets, and at this point, who knows what the Pac-12 is. I grew up with it. I love it. I'm over it. The world changes. USC, Washington, and Oregon are the three most committed football programs with the highest ceiling in the Pac-12. They now move to a very good conference, the Big 10. Utah is the fourth-best football program over UCLA, but then the breaks, big markets matter. What can I say? Big Ten is big. Washington and Oregon are halves. USC, UCLA, halves. It's a great conference. Listen, if you pay attention in life, this is really, if you pay attention in life, you're going to see change coming. You're going to prepare for that change and you're going to get ahead of it. If, If you don't pay attention in life, then you're caught off guard and you complain about it. And that's where some of the... Pac-12 is. USC has been at wit's end for four years in the Pac-12. Washington State and Oregon State were treated the same as USC, and they got tired of it. They've been talking about going independent, joining other conferences for almost half a decade. How do I know? Because I work at a TV company, and I hear stuff. So Washington and Oregon are halves, it makes the Big Ten a monster, and it makes the Big Ten what even the SEC is not, a bi-coastal national conference with games morning, noon, late afternoon, early evening, into 1.30 in the morning, East Coast. Going to happen real close, should happen, you can see stuff coming if you're prepared and paying attention, if you're not, you can grovel and complain about it, but This was bound to happen. It's been happening everywhere else in sports. And let's be honest, college football feels more like the pros. Coaches making $10 million, NIL, transfer portal, major TV deals, restructuring conferences. This is the way football collegiately is going to be going out. Two monster conferences. Hey, for most of my life when I was younger, it was the ACC and the Big East. And you had John Thompson. Nobody complained out East when you had P.J. Carlissimo and Rick Pitino and John Thompson and uh, Roley Massimino and the Big East owned college basketball and so did the ACC with Duke and Carolina and NC State. They ran the sport. It was the Big East, and I was a West Coast kid. And you know what I said? Oh, I can't wait to watch the games. I lived, in, I, I lived on the beach in Washington State. I didn't give a rip. I loved the Big East. I knew the Pac-12 stunk. I didn't care. I wanted the best. And so college basketball for most of my early life was two conferences crushing everybody. All right. And now it's going to be two college football conferences mostly rolling everybody. Yeah, you know, I, I know people at Oregon State. I think they have a really good football team. It stinks for them. But they'll they'll find their space. Maybe they'll end up in a conference where they can win it three out of four years. It's not a terrible thing. You can make a lot of money going to bowl games, getting into a playoff. Oregon State, Washington State are never getting into the playoff now. Well, what if you have a West Coast Conference? Washington State and Oregon State go back and forth winning, and you're an automatic choice to get into the playoff. Life has a way of working out. All right, ready to go. My Northwest schools joining the Big Ten very quickly. Very excited, J-Mac. I never resented the big East crushing in basketball. Oh, I right. loved it. It was three thousand miles from my house. I didn't watch Pac twelve basketball. Yeah. I'm watching Stevie Thompson and Pearl Washington at Syracuse.
4: I didn't give a rip. Yeah. I loved I love Louis Carnisecka. I'm with you. Like uh, I think there's just a segment of people who are not going to like this change. A, okay, change is scary to a lot of people. Well, it I, is scary. It used to be great. Can we just go back to the <laughs> '80s when uh, college basketball was amazing? It was awesome in the '80s and '90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know
1: college basketball has always been about. Too, if you go to college basketball, look at college baseball right now. Oh, the SEC dominates, don't they? I, I All right, follow. College okay, baseball. go go look at uh, uh, beach volleyball. Volleyball. Oh, West Coast dominates. Yeah. College basketball, it's always been one or two conferences. College football, it's going to be two monster conferences. And both the SEC saying, hey, we're a big conference, but we want Texas, Oklahoma. They're going to go get Florida State and Clemson. Yeah. And then the Big Ten's like, hey, Notre Dame? Notre Dame says, "No, okay, Washington, Oregon, USC,
4: UCLA? Don't be surprised if Notre Dame doesn't join them. It's okay. We're all going to be okay. Yeah, it's like the people who don't want electric vehicles. No, no, I need my gas guzzler. I have to stay well, gas. I'm not going to adapt. I'm not going to change. But you know what? a the lot world is changing.
1: Of, well, it is, but not everybody loves change, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I've talked about... You know, I've moved all over the country. There is great value. You grow up in Cincinnati. You live in the same house your parents did. You have block parties. You know everybody there. You have amazing, deep relationships. There's nothing wrong with that. But in sports, in sports, change is inevitable. Yeah. So you got to, at some point, get used to it or get very angry.
4: And I don't want to be angry. It's also good to learn how to adapt to new things, new people, new places. That's That's fun to me. Moving out here to L.A. last seven years has been amazing. Well, you're
1: you're comfortable with that, your professional career. A lot of people aren't comfortable. But in sports, change will happen.
4: Baseball now has a, a pitch clock. I mean, that, like. By the, the way, I went to a Dodgers game Sunday. Well, it flies by. It, it was so fast. I was just like, th- "This is like a two-hour and fifteen-minute game." Yeah, stunned. And it was it, like it, a seven-nothing Reds were killing. Now, me.
1: in the playoffs, it'll take longer. There'll be more pitching changes. But if you have a dominant pitcher on the mound in a regular-season baseball game, it's two hours and twenty-three minutes.
4: And it was way more pleasant than just sitting in that sun for like well, three hours, you know. It's, well, in Dodger
1: awesome. games, people show up late anyway. So you show up in the third inning and you're already, uh, you know, I mean, if you're at 40 minutes late to a Dodger game, it's third inning. Yeah. Maybe and you got to leave in the eighth before the traffic <laughs> comes Dodgers, So you get three same. innings of baseball. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and
0: the iHeartRadio app.
3: Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union at 52 APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or Kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
2: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. (laughs)
0: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So it's pretty obvious, but people in the Bay Area kind of freaking out and arguing. Um, Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback. Last year, in the seven games in which Brock Purdy started, he put up unbelievable numbers. 66 percent completion percentage a passer rating of 116 and a 14 to 2 td to interception ratio and kyle shanahan says he's coming off an injury but we're in a really good spot with brock i don't think anyone's back to where they were exactly last season we're going through training camp you know a lot of guys had more practices than him but we only had six in otas but um he'll get there um he's doing some good things um they're all doing some good, all doing some bad, So, um, but we're not worried about Brock. Brock's the real deal. He knows how to play, and um, we just got to have our team keep getting better, and he'll keep getting better as we go. Now you can say, well, Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant offensive coach. Everybody's good with him, and you are right, but how good are they? So we showed you Brock Purdy in seven starts. It should be noted this is a complex system, and he just walked in the door and put up those numbers. Jimmy Garoppolo, with mostly the same teammates in 55 starts, had a high completion percentage, but the passer rating wasn't as high, and the TD to interception ratio wasn't nearly as impressive. So Brock Purdy's also younger, cheaper, and healthier than Garoppolo. Matt Ryan had 32 starts. As Kyle with his offensive coordinator, his completion percentage, too, was high. But the passer rating and the TD interception ratio, not nearly as good as Purdy. Plus, he's more athletic than Matt. Matt Schaub had 27 starts. Kyle, the offensive coordinator. Again, the completion percentage is high. But his passer rating and TD interception ratio, not nearly as impressive as Brock Purdy. So, Brock Purdy is More efficient, fewer mistakes, just as accurate. More athletic than Matt Ryan. More talented, I think, than Matt Schaub. And certainly in the class of Jimmy Garoppolo, but not a career of injuries. And a better arm. So it works. He's accurate, he's cheap, and he doesn't make mistakes. And this offense is all about Mike McDaniel. That's why he likes Tua. That's why Kyle Shanahan also likes Kirk Cousins. Don't make mistakes. I'll use my schematic brilliance. That's why they draft running backs usually later. McCaffrey's an outlier because he's a receiver slash running back. So Brock Purdy's the guy. I like Sam Darnold. He's mistake prone. Trey Lance is interesting. He has accuracy issues. But because half the league is now running Kyle Shanahan's offense— meaning defenses around the league are seeing this offense all the time. Brock Purdy can give you a little wiggle athletically, not as much as Darnold or Lance. One of those two will remain there. One probably gets moved. So Kyle's got somebody backing up that gives you a little wiggle. Brock Purdy moves better than Matt Schaub, probably, and Matt Ryan, certainly, and Garoppolo, certainly. But this is the guy. Cheap is a bonus. Accurate doesn't make mistakes. For Shanahan, that's the answer. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News.
4: You know, earlier this week, we talked about Travis Kelsey getting in a couple scuffles at practice. One ended up with him punching a teammate. Here it is. I know you didn't think it was much i didn't like it i mean it's a big left hook there from kelsey yeah he did apologize and say he needs to be a better leader but now patrick mahomes is chiming in and uh here's what he said
0: i think we all have it we all we have a lot of guys out here that are super competitive um but it's about just doing it the right way i mean trav trav punching the guy not necessarily the, the way you want to do it but you love the fire you love the fire both sides of the ball of trying to finish to the last second Um, But, I mean, that's just the type of guys we are. We're going to compete. We're going to argue out there on the football field. And we're going to love each other in the locker room. Because we got a lot of dudes that are super competitive on this team. Mm.
1: Yeah. I didn't love it, but I also defended Draymond Green. Sometimes you have to make your presence felt. Maybe that young guy was out there chirping a little. Oh,
4: come on. He's wearing a helmet. It's not the end of the world. Hey, I, yeah, I... I'm stunned. You're just okay with people punching people.
1: No, they're not punching people on the street. I'm saying in a profet- professional yeah. environment, when you're practicing against the same guys for 40 straight days, stuff gets ugly. Yeah, and uh, in all your sports career, how many teammates
4: punched you in the head? Well, I was in high school. You get thrown out of school. These are professionals. Uh, again, I don't think this is much of a big deal The Kelsey punch, but I... I maybe it's just that I have I have seen and heard so
1: much about this. When you watch that Michael Jordan documentary, it was way feistier. The Three Ring Circus by Jeff Perlman, Shaq and Kobe. It's way feistier. These are alpha males, hundred million dollars.
4: This stuff gets yeah, surly this, sideways a lot. This isn't Kobe swinging on Shaq, okay? Draymond and Poole, they're not equals, but they're you know big time pros. I don't even know who this dude was that he threw the punch at. We still don't even know his name. No, maybe he might he was, be a guy trying to make the team for all we know. Could have been chirping. Welcome to the league, kid. Here's a left hook from our second best player. I, on I the didn't
1: team. have to love Third. it, but I can get something. I've yeah. said, I don't have to get every. Who I do think Andy Reid did. Just curious.
4: And he said, hey, don't do that.
1: There's no room for that stuff. And then he moved on. Okay. You don't Fair treat enough. all players equally. You don't trade Mahomes and Kelsey are special. You sit oh. them down and say, "Hey, don't do that. You're a leader," and then you move on. No grounding, no big fines. Move on. Okay. All not right. Everybody's I, I had to let that same. marinate
4: for a second. Like right. not those two. What about Chris Jones punches somebody? You get the okay? Nobody got ah, the okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So You're... how many guys on the Chiefs are cool with punching people? And nobody's it's not a big deal. nobody's cool with it. It's
1: just stuff happens. Football practice is hard. Yeah. Day after day in so the does heat. does
4: Kelsey have to run extra suicides for that? Probably.
1: Laptop. They'll probably make him run a couple
4: laps. All right. Okay. Let's get to the Jets in the Hall of Fame game. Aaron Rodgers did not play, but he uh, talked about, uh, as a, during a sideline interview, he talked about Zach Wilson and... Um, you know, really like Zach Wilson, their buddies. But he also talked about Garrett Wilson and compared him to a certain superstar Rodgers used to throw the ball to. Yeah, I know.
0: You know, I have so much love and respect for Devonte and feel like he's the best receiver in the league. Um, so I don't say this lightly, but there are definitely traits that uh, this 17 has that that special 17 has as well. and I'm not going to put him in that category yet because I'm, you know, Devontae is, is in a category by himself, but but Garrett has the, has the potential to really be special in this league for a long time because he's got all the right things you need. He's got the incredible talent, he's got a great work ethic, and he's a freaking great kid. I mean, he really is a good human being. He cares about it, carries himself the right way,
1: carries himself like a uh, like a seasoned vet. Yeah, he's exciting. He should emerge this
4: year as a star. He's good, good player. Ohio State's a factory now for receivers. He's a good player. So I was looking up last year in the, his second career game against Cleveland. A lot of matchups with Denzel Ward. Yeah. Um, and he had 14 targets in his second game, eight for 108 catches, 102 and two yeah. scores. Um, he murdered the Patriots. Uh, six catches, 115. And I don't the game that he was unbelievable. The Vikings game, yeah. where Mike White filled in. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson, eight for one sixty-two. He's a rookie.
1: No, no, no. And some by of the his way, numbers
4: are like, yeah. No, dude, listen. Brees Hall is also great. I mean, they've got some really, really high-end. Play and team. I need to add that he was catching passes from Zach Wilson yeah, and I Mike know. White. No, I, you're not getting any pushback. The ball over I think he's terrific. I think
1: right, like last year he was good, but he wasn't a top twenty receiver. Whoa, the, not a top twenty receiver. Come on.
4: Slow down. We might need to do a. The wide Bengals have
1: list. two of them. The, the okay. Chargers have two of them. I mean, come on.
4: They're, so, they're never healthy. What are you talking about? Allen and Williams are hurt. I think each of them missed seven games last year. Wilson put up way better numbers than them. Uh, just, imagine Wilson with Justin Herbert. Like, there's a world where Garrett Wilson is a top five receiver in the league oh this boy. year.
1: Oh, boy. He's going to be a very good player. Cup, Jefferson, Chase. He's like like
4: sneaking into that echelon.
1: All right, let's let him sneak in before we annoyed him. I I said
4: he could be top five. like Top ten for sure. That's like not even up for discussion. Uh, And (laughs) Now I'm getting excited about the Jets again. Uh, All right, we'll stay in the AFC East to wrap it up. Um, A a wide receiver that's kind of fading, Stefan Diggs. (laughs) Sorry, Bill's fans. Um, According to both Diggs and GM Brandon Bean, there was never a desire to split things up and... uh, Brandon Bean really likes Stephon Diggs. Here's what he said. No one called on Diggs. No other teams, that is. I think people know that he's ours, and we wouldn't do that. Even if there was an issue, and he was never asking to be traded. That never came up. We've got a great relationship with his agent, Adisa Bakari. So it was truly never an issue. It was just more of us getting in a room and talking through how last season finished and getting on the same page. That's not yeah, you know, they're fine.
1: It, but I do think if you get more stuff this year, it gets more inflamed. Then you probably have to draft the top receiver. They don't have a ton of needs. So next year, if Buffalo went and drafted a receiver in the first round, like I'm okay with that. They don't have they don't have a lot of needs on this team. They really don't. They're, they don't have a hole in their roster. I would say wide receiver. They went and addressed tight end. So now they have. Uh, Dawson, Knox, and Kincaid. So yep. they're good at, and they upgraded running back. So, I mean, they don't have a bunch of needs. I would say they should probably next year get a receiver, and I would go first round if Stephon Diggs is, struggles again. There's drama. But, again, this team is one of those three or four rosters. There's not a lot of stuff they need. It's about staying healthy, crossing your
4: fingers, and getting good matchups. Okay, uh, Justin Jefferson. Have we heard any rumblings about him in Minnesota being a problem? And No. Jamar Chase. No. Garrett Wilson. Stefan Diggs. Well, let's be oh, fair. Stefan Diggs is a second stop where he's like, yo, uh,
1: well, well, problems. first of all, he's been in the league a long time. True. Okay, so he's got some entitled Um, I mean, not not entitlement. There's some things after nine years in any business when you're really good, there's certain things you want, so I give him a little leeway. Yes, it's the second time he's melted down. I've compared him to Randy Moss and that Randy was not trouble when he walked in the door. But in Minnesota and New England, after about three to four years, Randy would get you know a little off script, and then you could move him. But I would make a move for Stephon Diggs tomorrow. Dez Bryant was troubled a minute out of college. Like they had the security team. There's guys that are just trouble. I don't. I think Stephon Diggs is a highly talented player who I would love on my team. And if I had to move him, I'd get three great years. But when you when you start playing 8, 9, 10, 11 years as a
4: professional... There's some things you're not going to put up with, and he had he was frustrated, and he's going to let you know it. How about Diggs versus uh, Odell Beckham, who you know famously had some issues well, in I, New York, had I, issues in Cleveland.
1: I would argue oh, oh, that's a good one. So Odell Beckham was never a problem in college, and he was never a problem when the Giants had stability with Coughlin and Eli. When the Giants unraveled, he did. He went to Cleveland, never a problem. Went to Los Angeles,
4: never a wait, problem. Wait, 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 wait. Where was the he problem in Cleveland? He had massive problems with Baker Mayfield. Okay, but his so- dad was posting videos okay, about how bad Baker was. We and-
1: found out Cleveland had problems with Baker Mayfield. All, okay, fair. So he goes to Los Angeles, no problem. I don't. I haven't heard a peep from Odell in Baltimore. Odell well, Becker like went minutes, sideways in New York. Young kids, supermodels, good-looking, rich. He went sideways. It happens. I don't think... I I, I thought in New York he just got very attention-starved. Well, once he had the catch... It, he became like a superstar. And global Nike wants him, all this stuff. Didn't handle it terribly well, I, but I would not handle but it. But well. I don't look at Odell Beckham as high maintenance. I, I don't. I don't. I think he had a, a
4: series of years where he was over the top. Uh, I don't want to make this me bashing Odell. Last year he was like, "Hey, anybody, I'll come back, but I'm not going to play in the regular season. I'll come back for the playoffs." Isn't that the definition of high maintenance? Well, no. And every team said, "No, thank you." Well. That's because it's not the NBA, it's the NFL. But I don't think that's high maintenance.
1: Sometime I'll, in my career later, I'll probably make a demand through the media, and doesn't make me high maintenance. I just want to get it out there. He wanted that out there that I'm willing to play, but I'm I'm not I'm not gonna do reps in week 14. He wanted to throw it out there through his agent and through the press. I listen. I banged on Odell before, but in the whole in the big picture of Odell. I thought he had three years where New York got the best of him. Guess what? Cities like Miami, New York, and L.A. get the best of young people all the time. Robert Downey was a mess in Los Angeles. Now he's the biggest star in Hollywood, one of the top three. Iron Man, yeah. I mean, he he went sideways. That's what Hollywood does when you're a great-looking superstar at 24. You can go sideways. By the way, somebody tried to tell me he was the best thing about Oppenheimer. Uh, he is great in it. I don't think he's—I mean, I— the whole cast is amazing Matt Damon's everybody's amazing but Downey was like he's a he's a world class actor who was a bit of a twerp when he was young it happens Odell Beckham was in New York supermodels it happens it's it's a lot of money it's a lot of fame you're 24 from the deep south he went sideways yeah dad talking I feel like I'm a father talking my kids will go sideways at some point what are you gonna do bail on them
4: you're a GM. You're a Your kids versus an NFL wide receiver. Well, I'm saying receiver. if I'm a GM a or a coach, NFL wide receiver. You got to
1: If you're a GM or a coach, you got to be patient with these kids. They're 23 years old. It's easy in Green Bay. You're not going to get in trouble. It's easy in Kansas City. You know where it's not easy? Miami, New York, Los Angeles, Dallas. It's a lot easier to get in trouble. Buffalo? Ames, Buffalo? Iowa. Buffalo. Probably shouldn't get in trouble in Buffalo. It's too cold to go outside after the year. Jay Mack with the news. Well, that's the news.
2: And thanks for stopping by. The herd. I go to
1: bed at eight forty-five. But if I was rich, young, good-looking in New York, you think I'm going to go to bed? Uh, Yeah, with a supermodel from Paris. I get it. That's all I'm saying is you got to be. Once you get into pro sports, and once you get into college sports, you're you're gassing these kids up, telling them how great they are. Now they've got revenue streams on IG. You got to be patient. You can't bail sometimes you can but you try not to be sure to catch live editions of the herd weekdays at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific
0: hey gang this is jay glazer host of unbreakable a mental health podcast and each week we try to help turn our mental health issues into mental wealth and we dive in with everyone from the world of sports and entertainment like sean mcveigh lindsey vaughn michael phelps david spade guy fieri and also those who can help us in between the ears anyone from a therapist to someone like Ed Milet or John Gordon. So each week, listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast on iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get
3: podcasts.
2: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slashwithamex. What's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Tolidano, and we're starting a new
0: podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court One-on-One Tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all?
3: I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all.
2: I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You ain't not it.
0: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Sunday morning, the U.S. moves on to the round of 16 at the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup as they face their biggest challenge yet when they take on perennial rival Sweden. Uh Uh-oh. Coverage begins Sunday morning at 4 a.m. Eastern with kickoff at 5 a.m. Eastern on Fox and the Fox Sports app.
1: Sweden's going to beat us. They can score. Seven goals last two games. Last time we faced them in the Olympics 2020, they beat us. I think we're in trouble. I don't but, I think, I don't think don't we got that. Don't put that negative energy out there. Man. It's not, not negative. I'm not manifesting. It's just we, we have no offense. We can't score. We were young. No, no. We have
4: not scored the last two games well in one goal. We didn't even dominate our group stage. Correct. That doesn't mean that we can't play much, much better. We're actually favored. Slight favorite, Very slight. But it feels to me like maybe we sleptwalked through that Group stage, and now we've woken up. That's my guess. I have no inside info. And I think they're going to wake up and show, Hey, we're still the two time champs. What's up? And they win this game.
1: All right. That's how you feel.
4: Yes. Okay. I'm not placing a wager on that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Either am I. So uh,
1: Dorian Thompson Robinson played last night. That was the UCLA quarterback. Uh, it's a preseason game. I don't care who won. Um, you know, Cleveland's funny. Cleveland's the team everybody likes in the league and I don't. Uh and not that they're terrible. They have so many elements that great teams do. They have an offensive coach. They have a dynamic quarterback. They have an elite edge rusher, a number 1 receiver, a number 1 back and a number 1 corner. Like and a good old line. Like they have all the things you'd want. Division's tough. But I I'm not a big believer in Deshaun Watson. Uh he's got obviously he's got terrible judgment. I don't know if he's a leader. But I say this, the NBA has certain players that they're wow players, like Zach Levine's the guy I use, highlight guys, but I never trust them in big spots. Don't necessarily make their teammates better. Uh, Deshaun Watson was 4-12 in Houston his last year starting down there and had great stats and won four games in that division. So if you go to his NFL career he dominates mediocre teams, and he's seven and eighteen against playoff teams. And that's how I've always felt about him. He's just bad or mediocre in the biggest spots that I need him. But 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 he tears up average, tears it up. So uh, I mean, he's got like one of the great passer ratings in league history. So he's obviously talented. But and I feel I get a lot of wow highlights out of him. And I mean, there's there's every argument to make that Cleveland is very well constructed. They got a smart GM. They got a number one corner, a great pass rusher, a number one receiver, a good O line, a dynamic quarterback. That they should be absolutely very, very good. I've just never quite I don't feel the same like Lamar Jackson. I feel like he's totally focused on football, injury stuff, but I think in big spots he's been very good. Joe Burrow, obviously in big spots, has been very good. I just don't feel the same with Deshaun Watson. And I in the NBA I call it a stat monster. There are guys. Is that John Wall had some of this? Did John Wall make your team better? John Wall put up huge numbers. Never a fan. Zach Levine, huge numbers. Never a huge fan. NBA always has a half dozen guys like that. Um, that they just, you know, they fill up the box score, but I don't think they elevate people and I never trust them in big spots. So we'll see. And no, I don't think Jason Tatum of the Celtics qualifies. I think he's a great player and can often be very good in big spots. I am not a big Deshaun Watson fan. And then I know I'm supposed to separate art from artists, which I usually do, but he comes across as creepy. The other thing is um he's now a villain. And no pro athlete wants to be a villain. Dennis Rodman embraced it. LeBron was a villain for a year and couldn't stand it. So now he's a villain. Now he's going to get booed. Now people think he's cringy and creepy. That's not going to be great. He's in a division with Joe Burrow, who's better, and Lamar Jackson, who I believe is better. Uh, So I I don't know. I don't have high hopes. Uh, I thought the Dolphins story was interesting. So the Dolphins say that uh, Tua has put on weight and he's burlier which doesn't protect you from concussions. That's all I care about. So I do think it's interesting is that I think the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins are kind of duplicates. And that, and I mean that Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of different defensive coordinators, but he usually, you know, he's his own guy offensively, but he brought Mike McDaniel along on some of his trips. He has incredible respect for him. And McDaniel eventually got the Miami job. So I think San Francisco and Miami, that offense, it's quarterback-friendly, but it's not quarterback-dependent. And so I think what Miami's going to do from this point forward is going to look a lot like what San Francisco does. is going to have a very strong season. Tua eventually gets banged up. He's got two years left in his contract, and I think over those two years – Miami is going to draft quarterbacks in the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th round and try to find their Brock Purdy. Because Tua is, is what Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan like. Accurate, and when he's healthy, he's low-maintenance, and he's cheap. So it's the opposite of what a lot of the league does. So what Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, I believe, like, they're going to spend their money on weapons, and go low salary on the quarterback because they believe their schemes are better than everybody else's schemes, and I believe they're right. I believe a lot of people are mimicking Kyle Shanahan's offense, but that Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan not only know it, they teach it, they love it, it's theirs. So I think it's the best offense in the league, and their their belief is the schemes are so good. We're not copying an offense. This is ours. There's a lot of guys trying to copy it. It's ours. We'll spend money on diverse weapons, players that can do more than one thing. Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. So you can see that McDaniel and Shanahan, they'll, they'll overspend on weapons. I mean, Debo can get banged up, had one great year. Niners paid him. Christian McCaffrey, injury issues. Niners paid him. Tyreek Hill, they gave up a fortune to get him. It's okay. McDaniel and Shanahan, that's their game. They trust their schemes. Their schemes work even with a C plus B minus quarterback if he's cheap and he's accurate. And so my guess on Tua is he's going to have a very good year. He'll get dinged at some point and they're just going to start drafting quarterbacks. They'll play out the contract a couple years left, but in the end, they're not going to pay him the bag. They're not going to. They're going to to go San Francisco and Miami are going to look very similar. They're going to spend on weapons, spend big on weapons, get a left tackle that's capable, and go cheaper on the quarterback. Something, J-Mac, you talked about that people say they want to do that, but the reason it generally doesn't work is because you don't have the Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel offense. People can copy it, but it's not theirs. It's not their offense. Half the league is copying it, but it's Shanahan and McDaniels' offense. And so, you know, that's kind of, I think Tua's going to end up having a really good year. Um, But I, I you know, they're saying this morning that he's burlier. That that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's nobody ever said, you know, my problem with Tua, he's just too skinny. That's not the issue. He's been getting dinged up angles, head, ankles. That's not a burly issue. That's, you know, he's a smaller athlete. So that team, though, however, like San Francisco, if Tua doesn't get hurt, that's a playoff team. The Jets are an underdog in week one, probably going to start 0-1 against the Bills. Miami's going to go to the Chargers. If they start 1-0, Jets going to be chasing this team. And if Tua stays healthy, Miami's got good players. Lots of good players. Would you like to respond to
4: that, J Mack? I see you cringe a little. I, I just remembered Chargers played the Dolphins last year and the Chargers totally bottled up everything Miami had to do because that's one of Brandon Staley's rare strengths is like coming up with a game plan. Do you remember that? It was, I believe, a night game. And the Chargers whooped him. But that being said, um one in of- headlines today. Yeah. We're gonna be doing um some Super Bowl scenarios and the Miami Dolphins might be uh might be in there. Some stuff you've said has actually leaned me toward maybe Miami is going We be we, legit. Do,
1: we do influence each. Last year I sold you on the Vikings, you sold me on the Giants. This year you have sold me hard on the Saints and I've bit a little bit, mm-hmm. a little. Don't they're going to be a playoff team. I mean, the but problem with Miami is it's so contingent upon Tua. Com, well, I mean most offenses are contingent on the quarterback, Well, the health, but, you know. Right, yeah, no. We know he's it good.
4: Is. I think I saw the number when he started and finished games, they were 8 and 3 last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, that's so I mean, can this be a 12-win team? If he's healthy? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a
3: little scary I think
1: I think San Francisco and the Miami Dolphins are running the same offense,
4: and I think it's lethal. The thing I did last night was, who has a better offensive line? The Jets or the Dolphins? And this, you know, take your time and look at it, but it might be Miami, which is not, also not good news for Aaron Rodgers.
1: The Becton thing's an issue. You think? They, it's, they don't want to move him. He has to be able to play. Yeah, He has to be he didn't able like to the play. I turf
4: last night. That was an interesting. Turf. The turf got him. There's a couple games on turf this year. <laughs> yeah, a, t- f- t-
1: a few. <laughs> the herd.